so Dagan's going to be sharing with us today. And Dagan, what are you doing? I'm just working on something. Hang on, give me a minute. What are you working on? It's just this. Well, okay, I'll show you. I'm working on this equation that I've been working on for a while, and I think I'm done. I think it's finished. I think it's good. What do you think? Are you, are you sure it's finished? Yeah. What's with this blank spot right here? Oh, that's where God does a miracle. A what? Just a little miracle. The rest of the equation is dependent on it. You can't just do that. Why not? Because it contradicts every law of math and science. Well, yeah, but God does that sometimes. Like when? Well, like in the Bible, there's all kinds of miracles that contradict science, right? And creation, I mean, science is really backing up this whole evolution theory thing, and that clearly doesn't go well with creation. So, so you're saying that you don't think that Christianity and, the, and science can fit together? Well, yeah, if, if all of the science stuff is true, then hasn't science disproven Christianity? So that's the question that we're going to be seeking to answer today, guys. Um, and, yeah, go ahead and uh, give Dagan your undivided attention, please. Thank you, Tyler. Don't read too much into that equation because it probably doesn't make any sense. I found it on the Internet. I don't really know what I'm doing. So we're going to be trying to answer this question. Hasn't science disproven Christianity? This is a big question. There's a lot of different kind of categories that fit under this. Uh, and you're going to have to excuse my voice. I've been feeling a bit under the weather. Um, we, we have equipped groups coming up. Uh, faith and science is going to be one of those equipped groups. And so we're going to be focusing on a lot more specific questions during that six-week equipped group. Um, today we're just going to cover two main ideas uh, to try to answer this specific question. I think we can do that pretty effectively uh, by looking at these two more general questions. Um, also, I, I will mostly trying, be trying to not tell you what I believe and what I think is true or untrue. What I'm going to be telling you is what is possible and not possible and what theories may be possible but not necessarily good theories. Um, and so we're going to be focusing on areas of Christian belief which, she, which seem most contradictory with uh, science and with scientific belief. And we're going to be trying to answer this question. Uh, which is, is science in conflict with Christianity and the Bible? This is the main point that the previous question is really making, is that these two things are in such conflict that only one or the other can be reliable, and only one or the other can be true. And this is called the conflict model. Uh, there are many people on both sides who think these two things are in necessary, unavoidable conflict. And we want to talk about whether or not that is really the case. Uh, one idea I've heard many times before, one theory, is that the reason that we see all these contradictions in science and Christianity is because God created certain inconsistencies to test our faith as believers. So, in other words, putting certain fossils in the ground or creating some sort of fossil record that we could test with science, but that true Christians will know that we shouldn't rely on that scientific information. Um, likewise, the earth is made to look millions of years old, perhaps, but it isn't. It's really only a few thousand years old, and we should know, as true Christians, um, that it is only a few thousand years old. Now, this is a possible theory, but I want to talk about it a little bit, because it doesn't seem like a great theory. Uh, let's, say, let's say I'm in a relationship with someone, and I really care about this person, and we get along really well, and she says she trusts me. But I want to know how much she trusts. I want to know if she really trusts me. So I plant a bunch of evidence to make it look like I'm cheating on her. And I have text messages. I have everything. I have 
every possible thing to make it look like I'm cheating on her. And she'll find this evidence, of, this evidence eventually, but she'll know because she trusts me, she'll know not to believe it. She'll know that I'm not cheating on her. You see how deceptive and manipulative that seems of me? If I want a healthy relationship, that doesn't seem like a super great idea of something to do. Likewise, I don't think God is doing this type of evidential faith testing with us. I don't think that God is giving us certain scientific aspects of our world and asking us to ignore them altogether. Um, if, if, we want to be, if we want to study God, then we want to study his creation. If you want to know more about a painter, you look at their paintings and you study their paintings. God, would, God has created this entire universe. It should be our pleasure and our desire to study it and to study it as fully as we can. Uh, what's more, there's a lot of people on kind of the side of science, the atheistic, secular side of science, that create a conflict here as well. Um, we have a quote from Richard Dawkins, who we've talked about before. Um, he wrote a book called The God Delusion, and in The God Delusion, he said this, Darwin made it possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. And Sam, Sam Harris, in his book, The End of Faith, also said this, Religion is one of the most perverse misuses of intelligence we have ever devised. This is creating the conflict that we're seeing between these two things. This idea that these two things are completely incompatible. And this is what we're going to be really talking about this morning. And the first big question I want us to talk about is, hasn't science disproven Genesis? This is the idea that, that Dawkins and Harris are talking about the idea that because we now have the theory of evolution and the Big Bang Theory, we no longer need God to explain how we got here or what our purpose is. And on the, surf, and on the surface, creation accounts in Genesis do seem to conflict entirely with the idea of evolution. And I think the problem here is largely in two parts. We misinterpret the problem and we misinterpret the purpose of Scripture sometimes. So let's start with how we understand the problem here. There are a lot of views um, that are held by Christians, and these are all possible. These are all potential views that may be true. Um, a lot of people believe that the universe and all of its creatures were created in six 24-hour days, as it literally says in Genesis. Others believe that God may have created uh, some process of evolution, but that he is greatly involved in that process, um, and others say that God created the process of evolution, but he wasn't as involved. But, he, of course, he knew that it would lead to a certain result like humanity. People also disagree about the age of the earth. Um, the 6,000-year timeline that we get is kind of brought from this adding all of the different timelines that you see in the Bible together and filling in the gaps with numbers that make sense. Um, but a lot of scientists that have studied the fossil record and carbon dating, this kind of thing, say that the Earth is probably more like over 4 billion years old. So obviously that's a pretty big difference. There's a lot of estimates in between as well. So this is kind of an argument over whether or not we are to be reading Genesis literally or if we're supposed to be reading it not as literally. It's important to point out as well, 
that most people that interpret Genesis literally would point out that evolution and the Big Bang Theory still have a lot of question marks around them. Even secular scientists agree with this. Um, transitionary species, so species between big species in, in, in the world, have yet to be found, really. Um, all, estimates, all estimates of the Big Bang are educated guesses. Um, and the idea that, that Genesis should be interpreted literally comes from the idea of we should be focusing on what the Bible says, literally. God is able to create the universe and everything in it in six days using nothing but his voice. Others believe that the creation account in Genesis is still true, but it's not meant to be read literally. Genesis was written a long time ago. The creation account was written a long time ago. Whenever it was written, there were a lot of creation tales going around about how gods created different gods and different religions created the world. In Babylonian mythology, the way that the world came about was there was this real top-tier God. There was this really awesome God. But some of the other kind of lowerly gods didn't really like this God that much. And so they killed her, and they ripped her in half. And one half of her became the earth, and the other half became the heavens and the skies. And from her blood, humans kind of accidentally became humans. So thinking about it this way, a lot of people that interpret Genesis more allegorically, less literally, would say this is a theological response. This is a theological response to stories like these. God's image is in humanity, in Genesis. There is intentionality in God's creation of everything. He speaks everything into, into existence. There's intent. Humans are special. They're closer to God somehow. And this is where, this interpretation is where a lot of people say that God perhaps did create some sort of process of evolution. Not entirely like Darwinism, because it was guided by God. It wasn't just guided by the laws of nature, but some process of evolution. It's possible for someone to be a Christian and believe any of these interpretations. And that's a huge point. Because we don't want to alienate people and push people out of the conversation because they believe something that we disagree with. The Bible does not directly claim that some kind of evolution did or did not occur. That's an interpretive question. And the Bible doesn't include a helpful calendar explaining to us exactly how old the earth is. And this leads us to the second of the two points that I mentioned, and that is we need to be careful how we interpret the purpose of Scripture. Whatever side of interpretation a Christian lands on is important to remember the purpose of the whole Bible. In general, is the purpose of Scripture to make claims about, the, about science and the earth, or is the objective of Scripture to make claims about God and faith? Different parts of the Bible are meant to do different things. But if we're reading the Bible as a science textbook or as a history book, we're missing out on a huge point, on a huge purpose of what the Bible is supposed to be in our lives. If we get caught up in these scientific and historical questions about Scripture and we're letting it get in the way of our faith, then we have a problem. It's 
It's okay to ask these questions. In fact, I think it's very good to ask these questions and try to understand exactly what the Bible means by everything. But we can't forget the main purpose of Scripture in our lives. A better question to ask of an account like the creation account in Genesis maybe isn't how literally should I read this, but more so what can I learn from this as a believer? So what can Christians learn from the creation account in Genesis? Well, in Genesis 1-3, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. The power of God to create without any kind of labor, only by speaking. I've mentioned this several times. God didn't have to put himself out to create. In Genesis 1-26, and this is a big one, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the skies, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing on the earth. Man in the image of God. Man designed to be over the rest of creation, over the rest of nature. We're special to God. We have something in common with God. Whether that's relationship. Community morality. So has science disproven Genesis? I think Charles Darwin, the father of the theory of evolution, said it pretty well when he said this, science has nothing to do with Christ except insofar as the habit of scientific research makes a man cautious in admitting evidence. What he's saying here is that it's not the task of science to make determinations about religion. That's a philosophical question. If you're trying to test your religion against the laws of science, then your religion is weak in and of itself. So one can believe in Christ and participate in science, but science makes us more critical of what we believe. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If you only believe in Christ, you only believe in God. You only believe in Christianity because you don't know very much about it. That isn't a good enough reason. We should seek to understand how the world came to be. We should study the universe because we want to know more about God. The idea that, that certain parts of our faith may, may be called into question shouldn't scare us away. It should encourage us to push all the farther. We're not at war with science. We should be the great pioneers of science, the same way that Isaac Newton and Copernicus were. Science can't possibly disprove Genesis or any other part of the Bible because the Bible is not a science textbook. It's a means by which we learn about God and understand our own faith. So I want to shift gears a little and talk about another thing that I mentioned a minute ago, miracles. And I want to talk about the question, aren't miracles scientifically impossible? It seems so, doesn't it? Water doesn't turn into wine, especially not just because someone says it does. People don't walk on water, and most importantly, people don't die, stay dead for three days, and then come back to life. 
miracles seem to completely conflict with science. Even Christians that use a metaphorical or allegorical, allegorical, allegorical interpretation of Genesis wouldn't dare do such a thing with a lot of the miracles of Christ. The resurrection is necessary to our faith. In 1 Corinthians 15, 13, Paul wrote, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Christ did not literally rise from the dead, not by resuscitation or some medical anomaly, but by the miracle of resurrection, then we have no salvation. And this is a big deal, because as Christians, we have to be able to defend our faith. And miracles look to totally contradict the science that I'm saying we should be participating in. So the question, aren't miracles scientifically impossible, is a big one. And it's important for us to be able to answer. So first, let's figure out what we mean by miracle. Tim Keller defines a miracle as the intervention of God into the natural order. So this is the idea that the universe has a manner and a nature on which it will operate and that God can step in and change that up. And the idea that God does do such a thing. So a miracle is God messing with that order. So the central claim is that science has has proven that miracles are impossible. And I want us to unpack this claim. What are some examples of things that are impossible? So is a fish impossible? No, I think most of us would feel comfortable saying that a fish isn't impossible. Is a Tyrannosaurus Rex impossible? Is a Tyrannosaurus Rex impossible? Is a unicorn impossible? Why is a unicorn impossible? I can, I, can, I can conjure up the idea of a horse. I've seen horses. I've ridden horses. It's not impossible to me to think that there might be a horse with a horn growing out of its head. Why that became a myth that existed, I have no idea. A unicorn is the least exciting mythical creature. But a unicorn doesn't seem impossible, right? It's, it doesn't exist as far as we know, but it doesn't seem impossible. What about a four-sided triangle? If I mean a square, then it's not a triangle. So can a force, is, is, a, is a four-sided triangle possible? No, it's impossible. And then I have the equation up here, 2 plus 2 equals 5. If we know what I mean by these terms, if you know what I mean by 2 and 2 and 5 and plus and equals, then this is impossible. This doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense because it's a logical contradiction on itself. It can't exist. It's not possible. So the question here is, what about God? Which category does God go into? Is 
Well, the things that are in the impossible column are in the impossible column because there's some sort of logical contradiction. And God isn't a logical contradiction. So God must be possible. Now, there's, there's plenty of people that don't believe that God exists. But even those people would concede that God is possible. There is almost no one making the claim that God isn't possible. And if a creator God is possible, and he created the world to set up the systems by which we even do science, then it seems obvious that he would be able to interfere and perform miracles. So regardless of whether or not we believe that God exists or have ever witnessed a miracle, miracles cannot be impossible because they aren't inherently illogical. Science says that men don't die, stay dead for three entire days, and then come back to life. It's not the natural order of things, and I say that's exactly why it's so fantastic. Claiming that miracles aren't possible is not a scientific claim. It becomes a philosophical one in which you must demonstrate to me that miracles are somehow a logical contradiction on themselves, like a four-sided triangle or two plus two equals five. There are a lot of people that do not believe in our God because they can't understand him. They scientifically can't prove him. And they can't study him in the same way that you can study a cell under a microscope. But the fact that I can't fully understand God is why I worship him. If you show me a God that I can fully understand, then I say we're looking at no God at all. The moment I can understand God completely is the moment that he stops being great enough for me to worship. People are startled by the idea that there's something that they can't understand. But a lot of these claims that we're discussing that try to pin science against God, against Christianity, are not scientific claims at all. There's a ton of depth to the things that I talked about. And there's a ton more that I didn't talk about. Even in a six-week equip group, we won't be able to cover all of the questions that have come up in y'all's lives or in your minds about this topic. That's okay, though. The issue I see it is not that we're coming up, the issue as I see it isn't that we need to come up with an answer to every single question that science raises about Christianity or the other way around. The issue is that people on both sides have a habit of pinning these two fields against each other. And by doing so, we miss out on the benefits of having both. Science should be done with the idea of God in mind so that whatever we learn about our universe, we can give God the glory for it. Even Albert Einstein said, I prefer an attitude of humility corresponding to the weakness of our intellectual understanding of nature and of our own being. He said this whenever he was asked about whether or not he believed in God. He said, I don't really know. But he liked the effect that the belief in God had on our minds whenever we study science. 
He recognized the importance of understanding that even though science can teach us a lot, it can't teach us everything. Science can tell us what we can do. Religion can teach us how we should do it. They can work together. And science is important. Remember that verse from Genesis 1.26? God created this world for us. He gave us dominion over it. If we believe in God, then we should study him. As I said, we can't study God under a microscope. We study God through scripture, through worship, through prayer, and by studying the things that he created. We have a huge universe before us that God didn't have to create, but he chose to create to glorify himself and to show us how real he is and how much he cares about us. So has science disproven Christianity? No. Short, short answer, no, it hasn't. And it can't. The more we learn about the world, the more we learn about the God who made it. Every scientific breakthrough is not a strike against the credibility of Christianity. It's a step to understanding the huge universe that God created. We piece together our knowledge of the universe, and we piece together our knowledge of God. In Romans 1.20, it says, For this, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We shouldn't be intimidated by the world of science. However we seek to reconcile Christianity with the apparent disagreements that we have with science is of low importance. What is of the highest importance is that we celebrate that we have the tools to study a universe which God created for us. And it should be our honor and our pleasure to do so. So I want to pray for us real fast. And you all have some questions at your tables to go over. And then we can move on out. Dear Lord, thank you for another awesome opportunity to talk to these guys, talk to these people. Thank you for giving us so much to study. Thank you for giving us a world that you didn't have to create. You didn't have to create us, but you chose to. And you gave us so much with which to learn about you. God, I love you so much. Please guide the discussion at these tables and give these people an awesome week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.